Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, jump into the Word of God this morning. Why don't you uh, go with me over into Philippians chapter 4. And uh, some of you said, we're, we're still in that same place? Yeah, we're almost done. We're, we're going to be wrapping up this, uh, this series uh, today and uh, starting something new next week. But uh, today we're wrapping this up. And can, can you think of a time when you've uh, met some friends that you haven't seen for many years? Uh, maybe it's been quite a while and you just hadn't seen them for a long period of time and uh, maybe you hadn't seen them and, and you just got together and it's always nice to be able to get back together and to keep up with one another. And uh, when you did re re reconnect with them, you had that sense of satisfaction like, you know, that was great. That was just great to, to, to see one another again. And, uh, it's possible that you talked about some good old times that you had together and those kind of things. And we kind of find a little bit of this sentiment over here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. And uh, as Paul is writing, and, and this man has been all over the known world and the Mediterranean world. Uh, and uh, could you imagine what it was like in the Mediterranean without cell phones and without uh, email and uh, all those kind of things? For goodness sake, they, they didn't even have Morse code back then, right? Uh, uh, that, that had to be challenging how it was, and they had to have runners to go different places. And I remember hearing stories of what it was like here in this area and in the rural communities back in the 1940s. And uh, back then, you know, uh, their stories went like they didn't have many phones. Uh, I remember in an area where I grew up, there was actually a telephone pole uh, that had a box on it, and it was probably two miles from anywhere, uh, and it actually had a phone in it. I remember seeing that. Now, not when it, I'm only 25. That didn't happen to me back then. I just saw the remnants of it. Did you get it? The remnants of it. And, and so uh, you saw those. A few people had televisions in the 1940s, and... Um, they did have radio, right? Uh, more of those things were there. But, but even the Apostle Paul didn't have radio. Think about what it was like for them. It's probably serene, right? <laughs> it's probably nice and quiet. And, and maybe you right now would say, hey, I would rather not have all that kind of communication. Uh, but, you know, there was, they also talked about times when, hey, if you wanted to go see somebody at a distance, uh, you jumped on the railroad. And you went down like I had family. They would they would run down to places like uh, uh, like down by Wichita and that kind of stuff. And uh, so you, there, we had more railroads back then, right? And then a lot of that is gone. And although we have some of it, but you know, people stay the same. Really, uh, we don't change very much actually. And our our desire for communication and interaction really doesn't change all that much. Although our forms of communication may change. Look, we've got people watching us online and that on cyberspace. How in the world does that work, right? And, and so things have changed so much, but people still enjoy reconnecting with one another. And I look forward to getting through the limitations that we have at this point in time so that we can see friends and family without concern, uh, so we're not limited by uh, rules and all those things and, and concerns. But I'm sure that we'll all have a big celebration, right? 
uh, I, I'm sure that we will be happy. Uh, is it just me and Jan? Uh, no, I think we'll all be happy, right? We, yeah, we'll be happy when this stuff is over and we get through it, but may, uh, maybe we kind of understand what it was like for Paul and the other apostles. The lack of communication, uh, the inability maybe to see one another in the same way. Uh, and our focus today really is about this, and this is our key this morning, is learning to uh, contentment in the face of you fill in the blank. Learning contentment in the face of, well, whatever it is. Really, contentment in everything that we face in this world. Look with me, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, we're going to read it here. And he said this, he writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Uh, I am in need, for I have learned to be uh, content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned to be, I've learned the secret of, uh, of being content in any and every situation, whether, uh, let me read it up here. In every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Got to use those glasses, don't I? And then he goes on the next verse here, and he says this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And then he says this, he said, yes, it was good of you to share in my troubles. And, uh, and he goes on from there later. We'll look at that in a bit. But here's the thing is I look at this, and the first thing that comes to my mind is he's saying, thank you. You may not have known that there was a need. He's like telling them at some point, at some point you didn't know that there was a need. Why? Because of disconnection, because of lack of communication. Maybe uh, there's different things that got in their way. And Paul thinks that there, thanks them for their generosity and their assistance to him and the ability to live and to minister to gave him that ability to live and to minister uh, to others with the gospel. And he shows his joy in this letter and how these believers have made a contribution to the ministry that he was walking out. And you know, really, if you look at this, this isn't the, this is, isn't the first time that uh, he had given them thanks because considerable time had went by since Epaphroditus, say that name 50 times, uh, had, uh, he had brought the gift to him to be able to help in ministry. And he wasn't just now sending them this late thank you, but uh, you, you have to look at what he says here in verse 10, and you can, you can find that he said, you renewed your concern for me. In other words, there had been some while they were maybe separated one way or the other, but they hadn't been around. And so the uh, because he was in jail and he had been shipwrecked, we know that those things had got in his way and be able to try to get communication. Remember, no radio, no no uh, Morse code, no, uh, no email. None of those kind of things were there available for them. And so Paul makes it clear that it wasn't really their fault. It's just that they had lacked opportunity. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe there was no messenger around. I don't know, but they did care, but they didn't know the need was there. 
And with the lack of communication, they simply didn't know. But one thing is for sure that their friendship and connection had bloomed like a flower in the desert. Have you ever seen a desert flower when they bloom? They're, they're beautiful. You think, oh, that's such a great place. And then 10 days after that thing has bloomed, it's all dead and it's all brown again, right? But when it blooms, it can look really pretty. It can look really beautiful. Even though Paul likely had needs, that wasn't his focus. That wasn't he, that's what, not what he was looking at at this point. And he had learned to be content with what God had provided for him, even in the circumstances that he was in. So here's my question to you. Are you content in the circumstances that you are in today? Looking at the world that we're in and the situations that, that we're in, are you content even in those circumstances? See, Paul, there's something about it. He had to learn that. He was plain about that. He had to learn it, and you can learn that too. We, can, we all have to learn it, and being content is not a, a natural virtue, is it? Being content is not normally something that we just naturally know. Now, some personalities may be bent towards that more than others, sure, uh, but usually it is something we have to be able to learn. And, and the philosophy back in the day, the Stoics uh, at that time uh, when Philippians was written, uh, they had described a content person as somebody who accepted impassively what came along. In other words, sera, whatever happens is going to happen. No, no big deal. We're going to roll with the punches no matter what without, without being bothered. And that was their type of views. Circumstances that he could not change were regarded as the will of God for the Stoics. And, and, uh, and fretting or concern was useless. But this philosophy really is fostered in a self-sufficiency in which all the resources for coping with life were located within man himself. So it's inside of us, they're saying. It's all down deep inside of us. Now, I would, say, I would uh, change that just a little bit, and that's, that's we're not, well, not what Paul was talking about here. I don't think it's much different today because this is the key philosophy in our society that we call humanism. We call it that. And the problem is that man sees themselves as the end of all strength. And so we have to look here. Paul knows better and has experienced the miracles of God in his life. He's seen God intervene in people's lives and transform their lives, and we have to make sure that we don't take on that same viewpoint because that's what's taught in our world today is that form of humanism. And Paul locates his sufficiency in Christ who provides strength for believers. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God hasn't put skills and abilities uh, in you because he has. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have skills and abilities that God has given, and yes, you may hone them over time and may use those things for the glory of God and to provide for your family or to help others, and, and those are a great thing. Those are important, right? But, but you need to be able to use those, and he expects you to use them, but don't become an end in yourself. Because sometimes people say, you know what, it's all about the strength in me. But we have to recognize that there's more to it than that. Back um, 
years ago. We, we understand this, self-reliance comes to an end at some point. Back years ago in the 1930s, it's a long time ago before I was born, and uh, this guy named uh, C.D. Blaylock of Louisiana State University, they used to call him Big Boy, and uh, he was six foot six, and uh, he was a boxer, and he was boxing a young guy from Mississippi, and they get in the ring that day, and they are fighting, and Big Boy lays off a volley of just punching this guy. I don't care for boxing myself, but it's a great illustration. He's just, he's just waylaying this guy, and at some point, the guy from Mississippi, he, he kind of leans into him probably to protect himself. I don't know. I'm not a boxer, but when he does, he gets his head in the crook of Big Boy's arm. And it creates a, an unusual leverage situation. And so Big Boy rears back, and he goes to do a, a right hand and to hit his opponent, only to, this is the weirdest saying, only to hit himself in the chin. And, and, and he hits himself in the chin, and then he starts stumbling around because he nailed it. How do you hit yourself in the chin? And he starts walking around the ring, kind of stumbling, uh, hitting his own self, and then he falls to the mat, and he's down for the count, and the other guy wins. He's like the only prize fighter, I guess, to have been knocked out by himself. <laughs> All the crazy things that happen in this world. Sometimes we can knock ourselves out when we only depend on our own ability. When we think it's all about the ability, yes, that God gave to us, we may even put the Lord in there, and we may say, yeah, God gave me that ability, and then we set him aside, and then we try to move forward. Just like the Word of God tells us, tells us something special. Unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. See, it's the Lord building the house. Otherwise, we're laboring, we're working uselessly. We have to be able to trust in Christ. We have to be able to walk with Him. Sometimes what happens in our lives, and too many people do this, they start out allowing God to work in their lives. And somewhere along the line, they have thought that that ability, the skills that they had, were what was going to keep things rolling in their lives. And so then they kind of look the other direction from the Lord, and they say, hey, it's my ability that caused this to happen. And then the Lord says, no, friend, it is not. And what we do is we do a one-two punch, basically, and we punch ourselves in the chin and knock ourselves out. It's so important for us to recognize the fact that it is the Lord who gives us strength. Look at what Paul says here. Let's go on to verses 12 and 13. He says this, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So real, really, it comes down to this, and, and this would be my point to you this morning, to all of us, I can be content, or you can be content in the face of anything. 
you can be content in the face of anything. It's so hard sometimes when things look tough or look challenging, and we say, oh, Lord, I don't know about that. We can be content in anything, can't we? Uh, it may be that Paul has considered the times that he was not suffering hardship to be times of plenty, because, boy, that guy had challenges, didn't he? Being shipwrecked like he was and all the other things that he faced, he had learned the secret of trusting God in every particular situation and in all situations as a whole. I think one of our problems is when we haven't learned uh, what this apostle learned. We have to be willing to learn that, and usually that's a process, isn't it? And sometimes we have to get up in the morning and say, Lord, I need your help and I need your direction uh, so that I can walk your path today, because right now it looks like I don't want to walk that path because that looks challenging, right? Have you ever said that? Is it only me? Uh, you know, I think, I think probably all of us have at one point or the other, and we have to be able to come to the place where we recognize that the Lord is the one who gives us strength. Have you ever come to the place where you realize that God is going to take care of you and your needs? You can't limit God uh, to uh, the regular means. You know, that's a problem sometimes is because we, uh, we hear lots of words. Because science says this, because science says that. Now, don't misunderstand here. The science is not a bad thing, but we must be careful not to let science be the ultimate authority when it's not. Science is important. And it's very helpful. It helps all of us. It's helping you right now keep you warm. It's helping you have light in here, all those kind of things. Those are some great things. But yet, on the other hand, we have to make sure that we are looking to the Lord and recognizing that He has ultimate authority. He is the one that we trust. I like in the King James, it says something, uh, it, uh, the way he says uh, this verse, it says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and not every one of the translations or the original manuscripts have that wording there, Christ, but, but we understand that what the Apostle Paul is inferring, he is inferring that it's through Christ that we have strength, Right. And you think about some of the things he faced. Over in uh, the book of Acts, chapter 27 and 28, we find some powerful things that have been taking place. Uh, here, uh, this guy had been shipwrecked. He had been facing difficulties. In fact, in chapter 27 of Acts, he told the guy, the captain, and the rest of the crew, uh, when they were going to the sail out and get out of this one area, he said, look, guys, if you sail out here, everybody's going to die out of this. It's bad weather, and it's coming our way. And they're just ignoring him. Whatever. And so they, they go out, they set out to sail, and finally they get to a place near Malta, right? And he's like, finally the Lord spoke to him in the middle of the night and said, you know what? You're going to lose everything. But your life is going to be saved, and the rest of the crew is going to be saved as well. And so the Lord gave him really a prophetic word through an angel in the middle of the night. And so he, what does he do? He tells the people on board, these guys weren't all believers. Uh, but he was telling them what the Lord had said, and sure enough, as he said it happened, and the, that's cool. So he's probably getting off of the boat, well... Maybe he's getting off his log or whatever it was, and, and he gets to shore, and they all get there, and, and uh, they, the guys let him live, right? Because they're a bunch of prisoners, and, and the, back then they wanted to finish him off, but that's not what they did. And, and so they make it to shore, and they said, hey, it's kind of cold here. Let's start a fire. 
They start a fire, and what happens? You see it in chapter 28, and a viper comes out of that fire and does what? Latches on to Paul's hand. And these guys on the, uh, there in the island, they knew what happened. They knew what would happen because they had seen it probably too many times. It probably caused them to bleed at the eyes and all that like, like we, they did when I was in Africa. Some of the vipers, and just some of them would kill you in three seconds. I mean, it's horrible, some of the things. And they're expecting, oh, this guy was a murderer. He's going to die. He was a murderer. God forgave him, gave him hope, set him free. Did he die? No, he didn't die. He shook that snake off back in the fire and he went on. And God revealed himself in the spirit and the truth in that day to show them who he is and what he's done for them. And so Paul learned it this way. He said in, ver in, the, in the verses there, he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He even writes it over in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, these words. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength. See, this man of God knew where his strength came from. You say, well, I'm not a man of God or a woman of God. Yes, you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a man or a woman of God, and God has a plan for you, and he wants to work through your life. And God has something for you, and you have to understand that he has your back if you're willing to trust him. If you're not just willing to look on the inside of yourself and only see your own abilities, but also to see his ability that he can work through your life. Doesn't mean you don't have abilities, because you, you have those. Every one of us have them. But there's got to be a time that we set those aside into God's hand and trust in the Lord himself. Amen? He knew where his strength come. He knew where it came from. Do you know where yours comes from? Do you know where it's coming from? You have to step back a little bit today and recognize that Jesus can give you his strength. Be content in the face of anything. Now let's move on to verse 15 here, here in Philippians 4, and he says this, Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. He goes on for, uh, when I was in Thessalonica, uh, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And then he goes on there. He says, not that I desire uh, your gifts. What I desire is that, is that more be credited or accrued to your account. He's using financial language here. And then he goes on and says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. And then he goes on and he says, uh, they, are, they are fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's like this. The next key thing for me is this. Paul is telling them, he said, I want God's best for you. He's like, I want God's best for you. It's, it's not about all the other stuff. I want God's best for you. What, what is God wanting to do in your life? God wants 
something for you. He's not, uh, Paul's not minimalizing the gift of generosity that the Philippians had made towards him and his ministry, but Paul recalls some earlier demonstrations of their love for him. But when the gospel was first preached to them about 10 years before this, uh, they were they were the only church to contribute to him when he left uh, Macedonia. And that doesn't mean each that other churches didn't help him at all, but they maybe they weren't in the situation to help him. We don't know for sure. And uh, but there is something to note here because in verse 15, he, he says there in the NIV, when I set out from Macedonia. Uh, it's like, what? What's, so, what's the big deal about that? Well, if you don't speak Greek, I guess it's hard, right? Uh, and if you read in the original language, it says this, uh, and it even caught me as well. It says, when I set out, that set out uh, in the Greek language actually is referring to his departure or removal. You got to step a step back for a second. What's the big deal about that? It's all in context. What's his situation? Where is Paul? Somebody tell me real fast. Where's Paul? What? Jail. He's in prison. So he, his setting out wasn't him. Oh, I decided to leave. No. They took him. They ripped him up out of that place and took him to another place by not, no choice of his own. And there's kind of a nuance there in the original language, which is likely that they moved him. And so remember, he was this prisoner without control of his situation. We could say it this way, he was ripped out of Macedonia by force. It wasn't his choice. And the church of Philippi, they, they came to his side. I'm sure they did what they could do at that point to be able to help them. And I'll mention this on Thursday, and I haven't heard any more about this. On Thursday when I was working uh, and preparing for today, uh, one of the things that come to mind is uh, on Facebook, our uh, district superintendent, Pastor Terry Yancey, uh, sent out a message for one of our missionaries, and uh, it's Larry Smith, and Larry has uh, been in Bangladesh, and uh, he's, a, he's a Kansas missionary serving in Bangladesh, and uh, they've been stuck, locked down there because of COVID, COVID they couldn't travel, uh, but recently he's had some health issue, and it was serious enough that they were going to get him on a plane and fly him back to the United States, so he was coming back. And I think he should be here today because it was going to be like 30 hours uh, of traveling uh, for him. And we, we had been praying for him. But I want to challenge you as well to be pray in prayer for Larry Smith because he's coming back because of his health. Uh, and so I'm not sure what it is at this point, but let's be in prayer for him. And so he needed some assistance. He was he was released, and we, we thank the Lord for that. And he's been ripped out of his circumstances and out of his situation without choice. Let's, let's get back to see this whole picture here. Let's look at what he says here in verse 17. He said, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire uh, is that more be credited to your account. In other words, that God will, will accrue this to your spiritual account, so to speak. It, it's not about the gift, but it's about God's work in you. He was concerned for this young group of believers. They must have been going for about 10 years, but he's, he, he's concerned for them that they will be following the Lord and growing in their faith. Even though the gift plays a part here, 
this man of God had a purer focus than uh, some may think. Too many times people th are, people are skewed uh, by, the, uh, by the examples of greedy people who only care about themselves. But Paul knew that there was a lot more to it than just receiving a gift from the, from the Philippians. He knew that it was more to it. He, re he realized that uh, when they had learned to give and take part in the ministry of the good news, that not only would other people, uh, people's lives be changed, but their lives would be affected for the good. And he wanted to see God work in them more than ever. Paul wanted to see the development of the grace of giving among them because he knew that if the, if the Philippians there learned that grace and would interact with one another well and take care of one another in some sense, that, that good things would come out of that. And they, and they learned to share and to serve together like others. It would be, they would be able to hear and uh, receive the message of hope and to share it with others in the world. So there's some real important things for us when we understand what they were doing and when it comes to what giving is all about. He wanted to see them grow spiritually. That's what he wanted. He wanted that. He said, I want, I want to see it credited to your spiritual account. One thing that I can say is that when I, I learn something new about the Lord or I learn something about Him or the way things work, it's exciting, it's encouraging to me. And spiritual growth brings hope like never before. It's kind of like that new oak tree. Have you seen? We've, we've got an oak in our backyard, and so it drops those acorns, or should I say the squirrels knock them off, and they eat half of them and drop them on us when we walk by. Do your squirrels do that? Well, there's something. And uh, so anyway, you'll see them, those acorns go down into the ground, and then when it gets wet, then it starts sprouting, right? And you got that new tree growing. What is that? When you see that new sprout, it's life, right? It reminds you of life and something special happening there. And that, that uh, new shoot reminds us of some great potential right in front of us. Look at what he says in verse 18 here. He said, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. The gifts brought by Epaphroditus have, have completely met his needs. And Paul considers this contribution a sacrificial offering to God made to further the Lord's work by helping a servant. So the gifts Paul received wasn't meant for him to set back and to, and to, uh, and to live off the fat of the prophet, so to speak. The, the gifts these believers gave were to help God's kingdom expand and people's lives to be changed in the future. In fact, their gifts had a long-range goal beside it, and it was really purely worship. It was worship. They were worshiping the Lord. That's what they were doing. What does Paul uh, call their gifts? He calls it a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. Here's the questions we have to ask. Did it help Paul? Yes, it's evident. Did it help the cause of the kingdom? Yes, it helped the cause of the kingdom. Did, it, uh, did that uh, gift act out worship to God? Yes, it did all three of those things. It did all of those, but you, you can't leave it to only one facet, and unfortunately, that's what people do at times. Sometimes people look at a diamond on a, on a flat piece of paper, right? But just because you see a diamond on a flat piece of paper does not mean it 
uh, has no facets. It has many facets, right? Right, to look at the whole picture of that diamond to see what it really is there. And finally, it comes down to this in Paul's letter from prison in verses 19 and 20. And he says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. It's a promise. It's a promise. And to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we can, we can reduce it to this today. God will meet your need in a special way. When we take part in what He is doing, when we take part in giving, when we take part in our worship, we know that He will meet our need in a special way. That's just how it works sometimes. It, it may not be in a way that you expect. That's a reality. It may not always be the way you expect. But, but I think sometimes we dream that God is going to meet our needs in a certain way. We may think that, that, a, that a bird is going to fly over and drop a $100 bill in our, uh, $100 bill in our hands or something like that. That's not, yeah, he could do that. I'm not going to limit God. God can do really anything, and we can't limit him. And, but, but it may be that he simply gives you a job to work. So you don't turn, don't turn your nose up to those things, Right? We realize that sometimes God gives us something, and maybe it's in a way we didn't expect. There are times when it looks like there's no way for God to work in our lives. Yet He makes a way when we never thought He could or would. We're living in unusual times. But let me tell you, friends, God has not changed one bit. And because He's not changed one bit... That means He can still work in our lives today, just like He did for Paul, just like He did for Peter, just like He did for John, who was boiled in oil, but He made it through and still preached the gospel. There are so many things God can bring us through no matter what we face in this world that we live in. We just must be willing to look to Him in faith and trust in Him that He's going to help us in our lives. God has resources that you don't even know about. It doesn't even have to be money. He can do it in many different ways. I'll share this last story with you, and then we'll wrap up. But even like the time when I was uh, stuck in Africa, when I was there and I was living, I was working, and one time, you, some of you heard this story. If you have, that's fine. Uh, but but uh, I was stuck there, and uh, it was uh, I was running out of money. I'd ran out of money. I had money in the United States in my account here, but it was a uh, holiday was coming, and because of the holiday, everything was kind of locked down at that time. You couldn't do any banking. You couldn't go to any businesses. It was just really shut down. And, and I was supposed to travel probably about 300 miles, two, two 300 miles to Cross River State, another state where I was going to be ministering to our, our ministry team down there, our church planning team. And, uh, and so there I am, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be able to go down there. One, I don't have gas money, uh, and, I, and I don't have anything else. I was, in fact, I was starting to run low on food, and I couldn't go buy it. And I didn't have a garden at that point, so it's like, what do I do? And so I was supposed to preach that following Sunday. And normally as missionaries, the uh, churches there didn't all really give you offerings because you're there to serve and they, they recognize that your support come from another place. Uh, and so th that, that Sunday I went there and I'm like, well, Lord, I need your help. And I went and preached for this church. And the first thing I know is they handed me a bag of food and they handed me, I don't know, maybe at the time it was a couple thousand naira. 
which was a, which is enough money so that I could put a gas in the vehicle. Gas stations were open, thankfully. I could get fuel. And so I was able then to travel and to go down and to do the service that I was supposed to do. Why? Because God provided in a way that I wouldn't have expected. Now, sometimes we'd say, well, as an American, we'd say, well, you know, that's no big deal. Yeah, but for us in that situation, that, that wasn't the norm for us. And so to me, that was a big deal. I had a check. I could go write, take a check and write it and give it to somebody. They would just look at me and say, oh, thanks for the check. They wouldn't give me any money back. That's normally how... I think we have to step back at times when times seem like they do and recognize that God is in the middle of our world. And He is not too far off. Would you stand with me? Stand together this morning. God is in the middle of our world and He will take care of us if we are willing to look to Him and if we are willing to stop looking down only into the gifts, the abilities, the things that we have. It's not that we shouldn't use Him, but we have to understand that, that we're just, don't let yourself be an end. Put your trust in Christ because He is the one who will bring you what you need in this day and this age. Amen? I want to pray for you this morning, and then we're going to come down. And if you would like prayer this morning, uh, we'll be wearing our masks. There'll be some of us for prayer teams down here, and you can come. If, as long as you have your mask on, we'll pray for you. But let's take this time to pray. I want to pray for you, and let's ask God to work in our lives. Father, we understand that we don't have it all together in our lives. We are not perfect human beings. But what we do understand is that you do have it all together. And Father God, that no matter what we need, no matter what our situation is in this life, that you are there with us. As your word says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. And Father, this day, we yield our hearts to you that you may speak into our lives and that you may guide us in the steps ahead as we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.